Welcome to Coffee Table Mythos. I'm Eliza. And I'm Leah. Grab your favorite beverage and let's talk myths. So as you all probably know if you listened to the last episode, we finally caved and we purchased Bones Coffee from Bones Coffee Company. And let's just say we have quite an array of flavors to taste and try and kind of review for you guys. We're drinking Jingle Bones, which they're probably not selling anymore at this point because we got it during the um, winter holiday seasonal flavor sale. And this is, I believe it's like a caramel, vanilla, coconut flavor. How do you feel about it? It is a decent middle of the road coffee. It's not as amazing as some, but it's not bad. And it's definitely drinkable. Like, you could drink this probably every day if you wanted to. Yeah, I could drink this black, Mm -hmm. which I'm doing right now. We had no sense of self-control and have opened all of the flavors. (laughs) Well, all except for, like, maybe one. And we've tried them during the week to kind of get a good feel for them before we actually review them for you guys. Yeah, this one's pretty, um, alright. It's not... The favorite of flavors, probably, between the two of us. But it's still decent. I definitely get the hints of coconut and caramel and vanilla while tasting it. Gives me slight reminiscence of uh, Samoa's. Well, what used to be called Samoa's for Girl Scout cookies. Yeah, they're caramel delights now. Yeah, they're like the best Girl Scout cookie next to Thin Mints in a freezer. I digress. I get the, the coconut flavor on, like... The exhale, so like if you drink, when I'm drinking it, I taste the vanilla and the caramel. Mm-hmm. And then, like when I stop drinking it, that's when I taste the coconut. Does that make sense? Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. It's almost the same flavor as the one that we get from the Kauai Coffee Company, but mm-hmm. they don't taste the same. Mm-hmm. But still, they're smooth. I think it's about as smooth as the one from there. But, any who's it? What are we talking about today? It's Celtic Week. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. So I was debating about whether to do this last week as the grab bag so that you would hear about it before the actual holiday or to do it now for the first week of February, which makes it late for the holiday. But Eliza was interested in that whistling phenomenon and I went with that for the grab bag week. So for this week, I decided to look into Imbaluk. So Imbaluk or Imbaluk, spelled I-M-B-O-L-C or G, is the Celtic festival celebrated on February 1st. It is the halfway point between the winter solstice and the spring equinox, when it's believed that the first signs of spring begin to show up. Its calendar opposite is Lunasa, which is held August 1st. Hmm. The word Imbaluk has no concrete etymology. Some believe it comes from an old Irish phrase that means in the belly, referring to the pregnancy of sheep. Oh. Others believe it comes from the phrase to cleanse oneself, also from Old Irish. And a third camp believes it comes from Middle Irish, meaning ewe's milk. Hmm. Imbaluk is associated with the goddess Brigid. Her name may be pronounced Brigid, Brigitte, Breet, and Brige, depending on the country of origin. Ooh, Brige. I like it. Sounds really (laughs) fancy. (laughs) She is the goddess of fertility, spring, blacksmithing, poetry. I already love her. And healing. That did not take two seconds. (laughs) As soon as you mentioned blacksmithing, I'm like, yep, we good. (laughs) I go into it more later, but she's she's a fire deity as well. 
So she is a member of the Tuatha de Danann. She is the daughter of the Dagda and a poet. She married Bress, and she has a son with him named Ruadan. She is possibly a triple deity, being known as Bridget the Blacksmith and Bridget the Healer. Another theory is that they are her sisters with the same name, but it seems more likely to me that they are different facets of the same goddess, which is not unheard of in Celtic mythology. The story of Bridget's birth said that she was born as the sun rose with a flame on her head that reached the sky, and as a baby, she drank the milk of a sacred cow from the spirit world. This is very akin to a sacred cow from another mythological place, but please keep going. She is credited with the first keening, the traditional wailing for the dead, practiced by Irish and Scottish women at funerals. I'm so happy you just explained what that was, because I'm about to be like, wait a second. You're like, I vaguely remember this from the From Banshee. back in the... So... The reason that she's credited with that is because she keened for Ruadan when he died fighting the Fomorians. Oh. So when she lost her son. So Eliza mentioned before, when she spoke on Kyliak, that at this time, Kyliak decides whether the spring will come soon or winter will stay longer. If the day is sunny and beautiful, it's said that Kyliak is out gathering firewood to hunker down for a longer winter. If the day is dreary... Kyliak is still asleep, and so spring will come sooner. Some believe Bridget is another form of the goddess Kyliak in her form of a younger goddess, while others believe they are separate entities. When Christianity arrived, it converted the goddess Bridget into St. Bridget of Kildare, who may or may not have been a real person as well, who shares the same feast day and, would and then they would also celebrate Candlemas on February 2nd. St. Bridget is one of the three big patron saints of Ireland. She is the patron saint of many things that the goddess Bridget was associated with, such as blacksmiths, poets, and farmers, along with, specifically, babies, children with parents that aren't married, children of abusive fathers, midwives, nuns, travelers, and scholars, to name a few, because her list of things that she's the patron saint of is huge. Damn. Historically, Imbolc would be celebrated with a festival. This information is gathered from 18th to 20th century writings, and many believe it gives insight into older customs. It's possible that it wasn't strictly celebrated on February 1st in the past, and was instead held as weather permitted due to seasonal changes, fluctuated with the lambing season for a couple weeks on either side of February 1st, waited on the blackthorn flowers to bloom, or coincided with the spring sowing of seeds. Celebrations often had fires, special foods, weather divinations, and candles. Spring cleanings were customary, as were the making of Bridget crosses and Bridget dolls out of rushes. I see your squinty eyebrows. Rushes are about 484 flowering plants that could be mistaken for grasses. What the literal fuck? Okay. They thrive in places with poor soil and varying degrees of moisture. They are generally perennial and evergreen. So I'm sure you've seen a Bridget cross. It's the one that has the four limbs, but they're not perfectly up and down. They're like offset from each other. And how you make it is you bend the pieces around each other to make it's almost like a... A wheel, but with legs. Now I'm looking it up, because I... That was... Ah, yeah, okay. 
So people would make these and then they'd hang them above their doors until the next year when they would make a new one. So they would not only make the Bridget crosses, but one of the traditions was to make a Bridget doll as well. It was believed that Bridget would visit the homes of good families and bless them for the coming year. People would put out clothing so that the blessings had something to stick to. They sometimes made beds for her to stay the night and made food and drink offerings to the goddess as well. Oh, Aren't they're they cute? so cute! Okay, so sometimes Bridget was represented with a doll made of rushes and then she was carried around the village. Usually these traditions involved young girls and unmarried women, but in some places they also included young boys. The girls would wear white and leave their hair unbound, and they would make their way from house to house. When they got to each house, they were given either food or items to decorate Bridget with, like shells or pieces of cloth. That is so cute. I'm sorry. It's okay. (laughs) To make the doll prettier. This needs to be a thing. I think some places still do this. Well, I think it should be a better, a bigger thing. A bigger thing because it's like that'd be like not necessarily like a second Halloween, but almost like like a springtime Halloween, and I'm all about that. <laughs> That's what it's like in my head. So afterwards, there would be a feast with the doll sitting in a place of honor. Other places, instead of using the doll to represent Bridget, they had a young woman dressed up to represent Bridget, and they went around the town. Oh my gosh. People would rake the ashes from their hearth fire flat at night and then check the next morning for any signs in the ash that someone like Bridget had visited. Aww. It's believed that Imbolc was important to the ancient Celts as some chambers, such as the Mound of Hostages and Cairn Elm, aligned with the sunrise near Imbolc and Sowen. Mm. If you wanted to have traditional foods during your like modern embolic celebrations, you could serve concanon, which is a mashed potatoes and cabbage, hmm. sowens, which is a type of, and that's S-O-W-A-N-S, not to be confused with sowen. <laughs> yeah, I was about to ask. I was like, is that spelled the same? No. Like, <laughs> totally different spelling. Okay. That's, that one's spelled how it actually sounds and not like S-A-M-H-A-N-I-N. Right. You can have Sowens, which is a type of Scottish porridge, which when I was reading about how it was made, it just sounded like super complicated. What What is that? So you use the starch that was remaining on the inner husk of oats after it was milled. Hmm. And then you let the husk soak in water for and ferment for a couple days. And then the liquor strained off and that's allowed to stand for a day to let the starchy stuff inside settle and it's like this whole thing i wonder what it tasted like um the only thing it said was a bit sour and i was like "Mm." no i'm good because when i think porridge i think like how people sweeten it with like honey and brown sugar cream and i'm like i don't think i want something that's already starting off sour (laughs) Mm. oh thank you but if you like you know fermented things maybe you would like it maybe and then dumplings were something else you could have. That sounds more doable. What's in that? It just said dumplings. Oh. And when I followed the link, it just said, like, dumplings is a generic thing. So it didn't any talk dumpling. about Irish dumplings in particular. Oh, bitch, we can do this. Okay, get them dumplings out. And then the last thing was barmbrack, which is a quick bread made with raisins and sultanas. 
You probably wouldn't like it. Uh, no. <laughs> not no. a fan of raisins, and I do not know what sultanas are. <laughs> but I'm guessing they are similar to raisins. And then varying modern pagans celebrate differently. So reconstructionist pagans attempt to follow what we know of ancient traditions faithfully. Others celebrate in how they best feel connected to their craft. Okay, that makes sense. You can celebrate Imbolc by having candlelight dinners, meditating, journaling, or taking a walk to celebrate the lengthening of the daylight. Aww. And that is who my rabbit is named after, because I thought it was a girl. And we, <laughs> and we now just call him Bunna, because we found out. It's a boy. It's a boy. And speaking of Bunna, I fed him and watered him this morning. Thank you. He was a monster about it. He generally is. Yeah, I was in the middle of, like, feeding him, and he just t- took the dish in my hand, and he just, like, flipped it. And I, I was still holding the dish, so not all the food went everywhere, but half of the food went everywhere. And I'm like, you just had to be a punk this morning. <laughs> I know it's <laughs> snowing, but calm the fuck down. You're fine. He is. I gave him he- some hay. He loves his food. I have to I have to double hand it. So I have the hand that has the bucket with the food in it in my right hand because mm-hmm. it's stronger. And then he jumps in because he has his cage that is open at all times. <laughs> yeah, he has a whole room to himself. Yeah. Like, but his food and his water are inside the cage. So he'll jump in when he sees that you have the food. And I have to like guard it like a goalie with my left hand so I keep his head away from the hole while I pour the food in the container because otherwise he does that he like bully dog rams it with his head to get into it and you're just like this is not you're being overly dramatic you still have food in your dish <laughs> he's the most dramatic bunny I've, I, I haven't had many bunnies in my life but damn, is he dramatic. I like to assume that all rabbits are this dramatic and people just lie to you to get you to get fit rabbits. They're like, oh, they're so so cute! cute. And then they're just buttheads about it. (laughs) How old is he now? Six or seven. Because I got him the year I started working at this place. Yeah, okay, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, so that's, um, Imbolic? Mm Mm-hmm. Sweet. Alright, we will be taking a short break, and we will be right back to talk about another Irish vampire. (laughs) and we're back so i wasn't really sure what i was going to do today for this week's thing but then i just kind of i ended up looking down a rabbit hole on celtic mythology as far as different creatures are concerned and i was going like alphabetically and i was like what the fuck is this well this is another Celtic vampire-esque sort of undead being that has a very specific name called Abartak. And essentially, the origin story found was documented in a book titled The Origin and History of Irish Names of Places by Patrick Weston Joyce in 1869 took place in a small parish in what is now Derry called Sotaverti, which the real Irish name for this place should be called Lataverti. Did I say why? It's the anglicized version is Sotaverti, mm-hmm. and the old Irish version is the other one. Mm-hmm. 
So there are many versions of the story, but the site of the grave is not so doubted because it still remains. And we'll get into that a little bit later. The story is of a petty and jealous tyrant king or chieftain that went by the name of Abertak. It is believed based on the name that he was either a dwarf, a wizard of some sort, or injured in battle. Hmm. Regardless, most sources I have looked at seem to believe it must have been a combination thereof. Okay. He had a tendency to scare his people with the sorcery and magic he possessed, and nobody liked him. Now, in the version taught by a man by the name Bob Curran, a lecturer in Celtic history and folklore at the University of Ulster, the castle which Abertak occupied was the OG Castle Dracula located between the towns of Garvag and Dungiven, and it was known as a fortress in the 5th or 6th century where the chieftain Abertak once resided. This is important due to this version of the story that I'm about to tell you all. Being the petty and jealous man he was, he suspected his wife was having an affair. Scandalous. I know. To catch her in the act, he ventured out of his bedchamber one night onto a window outside. From here, Abertak slipped and fell to his death and his body was found the following morning. His people did not like this king particularly much, so with relief, they quickly buried his body. Now, in that time period, it was befitting of chieftains to be buried standing upright. Okay. The next day, Abertak arose and came door to door with a bowl requesting blood from fresh cuts on his people's wrists. Terrified, the people complied. With this, the people contacted, depending on the version, either a neighboring chieftain known as Cathan or Cathran, or possibly the legendary Fionn Mac Comhale, begging the chieftain to help them slay the undead being. The chieftain agreed and slew Abertak, and once again they buried the being standing upright. Abertak arose again the next day, requesting blood. Oh my gosh. Once again, the chieftain was called upon, and once again, Abertak was slain, except this time, Abertak was buried at a remote location. The next morning, Shirley came, and once again, Abertak was at it, knocking on doors, asking for some blood like a twisted version of Oliver Twist, vampiric edition. All I keep thinking about is Monty Python's Holy Grail scene, where the man goes around for dead bodies and a villager tries putting an alive elderly man in the cart, while the elderly man keeps saying he's quite still alive. <laughs> oh my god. That's all I keep thinking when I'm hearing this. Bewildered by the slaying and changing of the grave sites not working, the chieftain goes to, depending on the version, either a druid or a local Christian saint, question mark. The chieftain was advised that Abertak was already dead, therefore he could not be killed a second time. In order to be rid of the undead being, Abertak's heart had to be pierced by a sword made from a yew tree, mm -hmm. then buried in the original gravesite, upside down, covered in ash branches and thorns, followed by a giant-ass stone slab placed over the grave. It was instructed that the stone slab and surroundings should not be moved, otherwise Abertak would rise again. The chieftain went on his way and slew Abertak with a sword made of yew and followed the instructions given as, as for the burial. Now there are many versions I found of the story. One of Abertak actually befriending a druid after being made fun of and slighted for his smaller stature. The druid taught Abertak a few spells, and then one day, some of the scrolls, the druid, and Abertak went missing. Upon return, Abertak was no longer his former self, with green eyes and a foul stench. Uh. In this version, 
He took his new power against the people, for example, sending stones, blight, and illness in the way of all those that dared stand up against him, getting what he wanted. In this version, that is when a chieftain was called upon by the people to kill Abertak, and with that they feasted upon Abertak's death and quick burial. In this version, that was when Abertak came back from the grave and began demanding blood, until the chieftain, Cathrain, was called upon to slay the being until a druid had to be sought for counsel. Regardless, the same death was given, the yew tree sword, ash branches and thorns, and a giant-ass stone slab. To this day, the grave site remains untouched. In Irish, the place is called Liet Abatak, anglicized to be called Sotabartak, or the Sotaverti Dolmen, where you find a large rock and two smaller rocks under a hawthorn tree. Multiple sites claim that at this burial site, there have been attempts made to clear the land. For example, in 1997, supposedly, they used chainsaws to attempt to take down the tree. The chainsaws broke or malfunctioned three times. So then they tried to lift the stone with a steel chain, and here, the chain snapped and cut the hand of one of the laborers and poured blood all over the gravesite. So there the gravesite stands, not to be disturbed, and that is the tale of Abertak. That's not cute. Yeah, no, it's not. I thought it was very intriguing because I actually went to go look the site up, see if there's actual images. It's actually there. There's video, there's images. It's in, like, a little area with a lot of farmland in Ireland. And you're just kind of like... Don't mess with it. Yeah, don't fuck with that. Like, if everything is breaking when you're trying to remove it, maybe you shouldn't fuck with it. Maybe there's a reason it's there. Did it say if he became a vampire because he was, like, cursed or just a bad guy? No, that was never mentioned. But, I mean, honestly... So there was one version where it was saying that when he went to the other world, no one was okay with him just being dead. So they just sent him back to keep on getting vengeance on the people that picked on him. Oh, picked on him. Yeah, for being short and... Well, a lot of the places I was looking at was talking about was how back then, if you were a chieftain, Mm -hmm. you were more highly regarded if you were more of like a warrior or like a bigger framed being that was more Mm able-bodied. But this guy wasn't. He was just supposedly an asshole. But like they were calling him an asshole, but you don't know if he became an asshole after being picked on so much for being such a small guy Mm -hmm. because he was a dwarf. So like... Lots of questions. Oh my gosh, this whole time I've been thinking, like, Tolkien dwarf, not short yeah, dwarf. Yeah, just a short person, like a re- really short person. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And that's why there's, like, the question of, was it that he got hurt in battle, or was it that he was just a sorcerer, or was it because he was short? And most of the stories are like, it's a combination of that, and he was made fun of for being short or whatever. And, or he was given, like, the short end of the stick on, like, duties to do mm-hmm. in the area. So that's when he started working with this druid and was like, the druid was like, okay, I'm going to teach you some things. And he started learning some things. And then he left with the druid and was like, hey. That was just one, one version, though. Like, I, as I said, I saw different versions depending on who was telling it. Mm-hmm. There's the druid version where like they go to a druid to get the answer and then there's the version where they go to a saint to get the answer and it's just like oh my goodness that is a that is a problem when 
you're having to look at multiple sources and it's like, okay, when were they written? Was it after Christianity came to Ireland? Was it? Right. Right. Because a lot of the stories were changed like that. Over time. Yeah. Depending on the time period. And the other thing is that if there, if this was based off of a fortress in the fifth or sixth century, mm-hmm. like that was a hot minute ago. minute ago before they actually documented a lot of that stuff back in the 19th century, mm-hmm. which is like, holy shit, that's a lot later, a lot later, hundreds of years later. Like, damn. I thought it was interesting when you mentioned um, that, like, the chainsaws were breaking when they were trying to move. The tree. The tree. And the chains were breaking when they were trying to move the rock Mm -hmm. and stuff. Because that stuff was happening in, I believe it was, it's either Iceland or Greenland around the the fairy rocks. Because that's where the other people live. And they'd be like, oh, let's just, let's put this road from point A to point B and they'd get to this rock and they'd be like, okay, we got to move the rock to put the road through. And like everything bad that could happen, machines were breaking, people were getting sick. It's like, just leave. That is their stone. You leave that stone alone. Don't touch it. (laughs) It's fine. Like, don't fuck with it. That's all I got to say. Just don't fuck with it. And like, there's a whole prophecy. It's like, if you move that stone, bad shit's going to come out. There's a reason that's there. Don't fuck with it. Yeah. Okay. Don't mess with prophecies. Don't mess with it. Just don't do it. It's kind of like in uh, 2020 when they'd find, like, uh, mummified domains and stuff. Put thing back where it came from, also help me. So put help the thing me. right back where it came from, also help me. So help me. Like, we don't need that. <laughs> We're already dealing with the fucking pandemic. Last night, we watched, what was it? We watched Anastasia, because it had been a hot minute, and I liked that movie. Mm-hmm. Well, and we had just recently been talking about Bartok. Yeah. Wasn't that on the last episode? That was episode? on the last episode, so we went ahead and we watched it last night, and I was just like, I wonder what actually happened to the Romanovs. Like, how did that whole thing happen? Oh my god. That was insane. That mm-hmm. was purely insane. Like, goodness gracious. It was very sad to actually read the history behind it. But I know a lot of kids, including my sister back in that time, uh, when that movie came out, we're like, oh my god, Anastasia's still missing, we gotta go find her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, dude. She'd be a very old, old woman at this time. If she was still alive, which, from what they found, probably not. Right. What they found later, like... Yeah, 2007 was the more recent, because there were two burial sites they found that were unmarked, where they found supposed DNA that matched the family... And they were like, they're not really sure who was who. And then we watched Prince of Egypt, and that was a whole other thing. <laughs> so there's like, there was this thing that your dad came up with, was it? I don't know, what are you going to say? I was talking about the, um, it's, now it's totally incredible. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So growing up, we'd be watching like any kind of movie, and all this crazy stuff would be happening, and then... One more crazy thing would happen. He'd go, oh, that just made the whole movie unbelievable. Yeah. And so we were watching Prince of Egypt last night. And, you know, they go through the river turning the to blood. The part of the, the Red Sea. And the pestilences. And the first son being killed. And and then... The fire tornado <laughs> that we both forgot about. 
Like, as soon as that happened, I was, I looked at her and I was like, if a fire tornado is coming down from the fucking sky, that should be a sign that maybe, maybe we done. Like, maybe we should stop. We should let the Hebrews go. Just let them go. Like, (laughs) it's okay, really. It's not worth all your men, military-wise, to do that shit. Like, stop. (laughs) What are you doing? But Ramses didn't listen to our very wise advice, (laughs) and he proceeded anyway. (laughs) Through the towering things of water, and when we saw when we saw that fire tornado, I was like, "That just makes this whole movie unbelievable." No, no, that wasn't the part. Oh, which one was it? It was when they parted the Red Sea, and you were like, "the The floor there shouldn't be so oh, yeah. rigid." <laughs> I was like, "What about the silt on the bottom? They should be like walking basically through mud, like wet silt." And I was like, "That makes this whole movie unbelievable." And I'm like. It wasn't the fire tornado, or the plagues, or the fucking- none of that. It was the silt on the bottom of the Red Sea. Like, good god. And then when Ramses gets, like, just destroyed by the water pressure- And gets yeeted out (laughs) while everybody else in his military is murdered. (laughs) And he just, like, smacks on a piece of rock, and we're both like, how are you not dead? Like, how are you still alive and screaming, like it doesn't make any sense and just like i'm thinking about myself as a little kid watching this and i'm like why did you not question some of these things (laughs) so that was that was a fun thing we did last night yes because we have to find some kind of joy in being home while things are happening other than that c'est la vie you know, I'm not really sure how I, or if I'm going to really draw anything for mine this week because I don't have a picture of him. him. However, what are um, yours is just Imblick, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what I figured was that I'd find a good picture of the goddess Bridget. Aw! Yay! So in researching her, I wanted to touch on how they turned her into St. Bridget. Mm. And the picture or the stained glass I saw of St. Bridget is beautiful. Really? Yeah, like, some of the art from back then, it's like, okay, is it just bad art? Is it the style? (laughs) Or is it the, you know, what people looked like back then? Oh my gosh. Well, because we've changed. Like, they say that every generation is more attractive than the older ones. ones yeah and also at least in america we're also getting taller or each generation so she, but her stained glass was beautiful so i was like wow she must have been gorgeous mm-hmm. dang for them to use that as her image that's crazy reminders everyone make sure to check out bridget for this week's instagram art on coffee table mythos if you want to share any art of your own, make sure to use our hashtag Coffee Table Mythos so that we and our followers can check it out. As always, if you have any stories or requests, please email us at coffeetablemythos at gmail.com. And remember to mention if you want a shout out of either a name or handle and where to find you or if you'd like to remain anonymous. And you can also find us on our Facebook page, Coffee Table Mythos, where you can message us as well. Check out our merch on Teespring at teespring.com store slash coffee dash table dash mythos. We are adding more listings as we research more beings and make more art. 
If you would like to donate to us, you can on anchor.fm slash coffee table mythos, or you can become a patron through patreon.com slash coffee table mythos. For right now, all donations will go to making this podcast better. Thank you so much for listening. Please give us a like, follow, subscribe, share, and review our podcast if you have the time. We are interested in what you have to say. This is Coffee Table Mythos. We'll catch you next time. Mm